Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. Look, if there's one thing that most of us have in common, it's that really arrogant people are just very difficult to be around. And they're nauseating. And people who brag all the time, it's just rough, right? We've even invented a word for it, humble brag. And that's when people online attempt to seem humble, but really they're just bragging. And then I love it when people roast them. So so just so that you and I can come together over our mutual disdain of bragging, I have a couple of these from Instagram that I've collected that I think are pretty awesome. A guy named Joe47 said, he wrote this, he said, I've been so focused on Marvel since January that I totally forgot that I like comedies from the 1940s and German expressionism and Oscar Wilde. I miss my intellectual side. And somebody else posted, I think you mean your pretentious side. Love that. What a great roast. Another one said, I saw a homeless man in front of Walmart and was getting one thing because I didn't have much money, but instead I bought a case of water and gave it to the man. I gave him the last of my money and walked away crying because I just felt God praising me for putting others before myself. (sighs) Way to go. Yeah. You're so humble that you actually unhumbled yourself. Great job. Uh, another person on Instagram posted, maybe it's just me because I don't see it, but for real, what is it that makes guys think I'm irresistible? I'm confused. Seven exclamation points. All right. Well, at least you don't think highly of yourself. Uh, a, a woman named Cheryl Yo said, Cheryl Yao said, I just did something very selfless, but more importantly, it was genuine. And I know it means a lot to the person in the long run. Hashtag so worth it. <laughs> Ah, a woman named Rebecca Hazleton was trying to uh, share a quote that her three-year-old said. She said her three-year-old son said this, everyone dies one day, everyone, even wolves, but not books, not words. Words don't die. And somebody else posted, here's an award for things that definitely didn't happen. Ah, Man, the point is, there's something that is uh, a little repulsive about bragging all the time, people trying to draw attention to themselves, climb the ladder. And the opposite of that is actually a trait called humility, which a lot of scholars have said actually could be traced back to the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Before that, certainly Romans and Greeks and all other previous ancient societies had no value whatsoever for voluntarily lowering yourself or for humility. So I'm here with Lisa Averill. We're going to talk about how Jesus introduced the virtue of humility to the world and modeled it perfectly. We're also going to talk about how humility actually shows up all through the Bible, and it might be one of Jesus's most important and revolutionary traits. And I'm I'm just going to say humbly, I think this is going to be the best podcast on humility that you've ever heard. Oh, no. I think I just undid the humility. conversation shall we lisa you know me that's that's never never (laughs) that's the only kind of conversation we can have it's the only one dave i miss i miss just those rambling conversations well first of all happy advent merry christmas you You look very christmasy today if you viewers Mm -hmm. or listeners out there can't tell but you're you're wearing like a christmas flannel 
It's my lumberjack shirt, and I'm wearing my lumberjack boots, and nice. after this, I'm going to a forest. You are going to cut down your Christmas tree? No, I'm just cutting down trees. <laughs> I just want to use a chainsaw. <laughs> no, I don't know. Are I you, do feel like they look do you, like a Is that how lumberjack. you guys get your Christmas tree, you and Mark? Do you cut it down from like a Christmas tree farm up in Santa Cruz Mountains? Dave. Look who you're talking to. I don't know. Is that what you do? That could be a fun tradition. It could have been a fun tradition. No, we like dust off what's up in the attic. And oh, you have a fake tree. After you. Oh, see, we haven't talked about this, but there's a divide between people who like real trees and people who like fake trees. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I have, I'm a convert. To I'm, fake trees? No, to real trees. Here's oh. why. My daughter asked me because she loves the smell. Yeah, she's very tactile and so very physical so she's like i love the smell of christmas trees daddy can we get a christmas tree that's real and we'll go and we pick it out together mm -hmm. and it's just i can't say no yeah i get that so i buy a wreath from whole foods that smells because it, it's oh, real sure. is I that on the inside it. of your home you yeah put it i on? stick it and then i put like a candle oh that's wonderful like that. oh like so on the, the table smell. exactly oh see it's now so you still yeah you get the same thing no it's not the same i actually grew up with is it well, you grew um, up in Oregon or something? Yeah, with noble firs or whatever. Sure. Yeah, those beautiful, were beautiful trees. Very expensive here. Yeah, they're so, like 120 bucks for the sh a five foot. Exactly. Yeah, it's pretty pricey. We came from Oregon where you could get a tree for like five bucks back oh, in the I'm day. Oh, I'm sure. Because they just, they, they just grew, uh, they grew on tree. Wait, <laughs> exactly. hold on. Uh, they were trees. Yeah, they just yeah. literally grew out of the soil. They did. They did. So yeah, to pay 120 that seems crazy. bucks seemed like a lot. But I would do it now. Really, we debated this. Well, year. noble firs really are incredibly beautiful trees. Yeah. They're just really re Douglas firs kind of seem like yeah. they're thrown together, <laughs> like they took a bunch of tape and put ne and needles of. together. It's like, yeah. what is this junk? Yeah. Um, and those of you that like Target, I don't mean you get <laughs> not that Target sells junk. No. Just that, like, like a, restoration hardware tree versus a Target tree. I don't know what that means, but okay. Some of you will understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that a is that a Chip and Joanna Gaines? Reference? No, that's a good reference though. That would have, that would have been better. Yeah. Magnolia or something. Magnolia, yeah. I I'm don't know. Super fun. Okay, we're uh, okay. So uh, I wanted to thank you for that. That's it. Oh, by the way, I wanted to ask you a question. We've been asking people this. Uh oh. What is your favorite um, memory of a favorite Christmas present when you were a little kid? Oh, I know right off the top. of Oh, my what head. what was it? You it, it already pops in your brain. Oh, what was it? Yeah, I got a pound of bacon. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> First of all, I'm I'm crying. I'm, I'm weeping <laughs> tears of joy. What 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 do you mean? Yeah, so growing up, there were four of us kids, family of six, and we only got two slices of bacon when my back in the day when mom was making breakfast, we only all got two. And I really liked bacon, so I didn't feel that that was fair. So I don't know. Somehow my mom caught on to that. Maybe it was the fits I threw. <laughs> or can I have your bacon? I don't know. But anyhow. It was um, the fact you screamed, I want more, I bacon. Want more bacon. Every um, time she served bacon, maybe yeah. she clued in on that hint. Yeah. I think I was six or seven. I just remember all the presents were unwrapped. And then my mom was like, there's one more present, and it's for you, Lisa. I'm like, oh gonna be that new bike or something and then she goes go look in the refrigerator bottom drawer so i went in the refrigerator bottom drawer was this package wrapped up i brought it out and it was my own pound of bacon i no longer had to share or only have two pieces <laughs> that isn't is that a, sad that, no, like, well it's not, it, it's yeah. a little bit like a uh, little mary ingles wilder a little well, we watched little house little on house the Prairie, on the prairie so maybe that's and where then she got i got a shiny penny and an orange <laughs> 
And exactly. it was the best Christmas ever. You know what? It, that helps when you grow up with a simple <laughs> life. You can appreciate things like bacon. Hey, listen, everyone out there, no, no. Do you remember if it was like thick cut or regular Ooh, cut? that's good. I think back then, yeah, they didn't really afford have... the thick cut. I think we just had mainly fat. But a pound is a pound. Some bacon on a it. A pound's a pound. Absolutely. A pound of bacon's a pound of bacon, it however you slice it. Yes. That's what I say. There's that's just what a I... little bit more bacon grease in the bottom of the pan. Sure. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, less real bacon. That's amazing. Yeah. How about you? Uh, Well, I've said this a million times. It's For me, it was the Death Star Star Wars playset. It was um, when I was like five. Okay. I loved, it was Star Wars figurines. It was Do you still have them? Um, No. My parents had this big, like, box of my old stuff, Mm -hmm. and then they moved so many times, I'm not quite sure where it is anymore. I should think you should find that. It's well, I, worth some money. It's not worth anything, but it is worth something to me sentimentally. Yeah. So my old Chewbacca. Yeah. Say hello to my my old friends. Yeah, I'd be looking for my bacon, but it's, it's <laughs> no, bad I, by now. Uh, that's <laughs> gross. Really All right. Well. Anywho. Uh, okay, so um, we're talking. Actually, you and I actually got a really good draw mm-hmm. on this advent. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this. Actually, the more I thought about it the more I realized what a good draw it was. I actually think you could make a case that if you ask somebody, what is the most dominant character trait of Jesus? What's the most astonishing or dominant character trait? Probably love would would come out number one. But the way that that, obviously, because Jesus is love, he defines love. But the way that it comes out, it might be our word, which is humility. Humility is like, one of the dominant things that Jesus shows the world. Mm -hmm. And the more you look for it, the more I started looking for it, the more I kept finding it. And the more I found it, the more I found other examples. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's like the doorway to a relationship with God. It's a doorway to how to live. It really is. It's, it's pretty central. And the text we were given Philippians two is one of the more, if the Bible is a mountain range, it's one of the highest peaks. It is yeah. incredible. Yeah. And and you, we could do probably two or three sermons. We could do a whole sermon series on just this one passage from Scripture. So it, there's a lot in here. Mm-hmm. Um, just what were some of your reflections as you thought about humility this, this week? Yeah, I was just, in particular, this passage is very familiar to all of us, right? Um, so it's just easy to read it as we've as we read it in the context of um, the church and unity and how we're to live our lives, but to connect it with Christmas, I was just blown away that God would do what he did, right? That he would come to earth and be God-man. I think to show us who remain, you know, Jay talked about last week, God dwells in us, you know, so it's, wow, God is inside of me. How do I live my life? And this example of humility, yes, we got a good drop at man. Was it a convicting draw? In oh. my opinion for me. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get into the convicting part <laughs> yeah. of this. It's beautiful and soaring until you try to live it out. Exactly. It's really beautiful to look at. And that, and we'll get to that in a second. Cause I think that that's super true. Yeah. Um, but I started what I, and we didn't have time for this because there's no way to have time for this. But I started looking for humility in the Old Testament. Mm. And a lot of times when we think about humility, we think about humility in interpersonal relationships, like yeah. between you and me, you know, or two people. 
but um, actually, as I kind of researched it, it goes even deeper that it's the starting place and the fundamental basis for relating to God. So like you think about it, like um, fear of the Lord is this giant term and that's used over and over again. That's humility. It's understanding who you are and who God is in a proper way, right? Yeah. So there's that. And then as we enter into the story of God interacting with people, one of the first times we see this is with Moses. Moses is kind of ground zero for humility. Numbers 12, Numbers 12 is fascinating. I, I went back and reread 11 and 12 and 13 just to see what's going on. It's this crazy story where um, Moses is kind of challenged by his brother and sister. And uh, it says, Mo- now the man Moses was very humble, more so than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. First of all, somebody had to write that. And hopefully it wasn't Moses. That would be weird if yeah, he wrote that. Be- but basically... Um, what happens is they get super mad at him and they start challenging him and um, has the Lord spoken only through Moses. And then it says, now Moses was a very humble man and God's like time out. And he like calls Miriam and Aaron up to the tabernacle and he has them front and center. And then he says, listen, so he confronts them. This is God getting mad. This is crazy. Like this hasn't happened yet. When, and, and then this is what God says, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. And when I speak to him, I speak face to face, clearly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And then he chastises him. And then he sends like this... Um, this, uh, this skin disease on Miriam, she turns white. Um, some commentators are thinking, because she's like mad and angry that Moses married a black woman, a Cushite. So he's like, oh, you want to you want to be prejudiced based on skin color? How do you like this? <laughs> Boom. Moses intervenes, pr- says a simple prayer. She's healed. But I was astonished here because what basically what this is saying is Moses is humble, but there's some tie between his intimacy with God, his closeness with God, and humility. So there's a tie between his intimacy. Um, he's got rare access to God's presence, and that has done something in the character of Moses. Yeah. So I was like, man, intimacy, fear of the Lord, reverence, let alone repentance, which is the doorway to get into the temple yeah. and access with God. All these are humility. The starting place of humility is our relationship with God, and Moses kind of models it here. And it has to do with intimacy, closeness to God, and attitude toward God. And it, so like even back as we're like looking at Old Testament examples, uh, the starting place of humility is our relationship with God. Yeah. Like that's where it flows out of. And I thought that that was just like, and now Jesus would model this later. We'll talk about that in a second. But even insofar as pretty early in the story, we're shown through Moses's life that humility is like a number one priority for what it means to be with God in God's presence and and serve him. Yeah. Wow. That's really good, Dave. Man, that makes me want to go back and read those chapters and numbers through that vein, through the through the eyes of humility. Yeah. Um so talk to me about this. When you when you think about humility, a lot of times we think of it as just as an interpersonal thing. Like how do how do you see humility in terms of our relationship with God himself? Well, to me, Humility with God 
is recognizing, I think this is why this passage that we have impacted me so much. Like, do I realize who I'm in relationship with? Right? Like, I should be breathless, in my opinion. Totally. Right? That the God of the universe, who is fully God, came to earth, didn't lose any of his identity as fully God, but chose to veil his glory and show up as a man, live life as we live it. So my goodness, um, I have a model of what it looks like to have the mind of Christ, if you will. Um, But again, like how often do I really realize it to the degree that it changes how um, I see people, it changes how I use my time, it changes um, how I sit before God. Yeah. You know, because it's easy just to get out my Bible and read the passage and, and be looking for me. Like, okay, God, what are you going to show me? Versus like, wow, God, thank you for even being here with me. Yeah. Like, and knowing me, knowing my heart, knowing what I'm going through. Because you experienced human em- emotion just like I did. You know? Yeah. I had a, a pretty interesting conversation the other day. Um, it was with a, a guy um, at our men's men's table. We did this thing for ten weeks with a whole bunch of men, yeah. um, and one of the guys is he's a he's a big shot at a local um, huge tech company. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, "Hey, listen, this idea about humility is actually it, part of our trainers. We're taught humility. We're taught to listen. We're taught to care um, because." And then he said, "Because it really impacts workplace culture and productivity." Interesting. And I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." But it's also kind of gross hmm. because you're like, hey, let's use this hack of humility to get our people to do more stuff so we can make more money. Hmm. Um, or even if it's like, hey, it's just better. <clears throat> the idea that humility will lead to um, better profitability is, and I guess that's a weird, that's just, it's a motivation. I, I, I mean, it's probably, it, it's actually probably true. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you think that plays itself out? I'm sure it's true. I mean, think about the people you like being around. Mm-hmm. They're not arrogant. You know, there's something about humility that's deeply attractive to us as humans. Yeah. Um, like when there's a rock star and they're like meet with their fans or they, they're down to earth or they go out of their way to do something. Like they go to a children's hospital and they like play a, a, an impromptu concert. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's something about the giving up of status in order to bring joy to somebody else that is deeply attractive to us, right? Yeah. So... Well, and I think the more we get to understand the humility of Christ, the more we see ourselves not as I'm, I've got this status or I, you know, I have this pedigree or whatever it might be. We just are humbled by the fact that God would choose to use us wherever we're at, whether we're in tech, whether we're you and I working in ministry. I mean, whatever our role is to think, wow, God, you, you've left yourself in me right? Through the Holy Spirit. And you will help me to know how to navigate so that um, working together with others, to your point, is something that we look forward to because there isn't this, uh, what do you call it, jockeying for position or conceit or jealousy or all those kind of things. And that is our human nature. Oh, totally. That is our human nature. 100%. And it's not just our human nature, it's the way that society is built, especially American society. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, uh, that's a, that's a great transition thought because, so my point was with that, it's, it's like, Hey, listen, companies, please. I love that you're thinking about humility, 
but humility can't really be divorced from our relationship with God. It starts with God. And then from that, seeing God clearly for who he is, like you said, um, <clears throat> seeing ourselves for who we are. Yeah. And then out of that, what's really interesting is you start to see this pattern. So think about some of the fam- famous passages, like Second Chronicles um, 7, which is like plastered everywhere. If my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves, Humble themselves and, pray. and pray and seek my face. Yeah. I'll hear, I'll that. forgive their sin, I'll hear their land. So the idea here is that the Israel has a, a, a has to start in a proper. And then Proverbs 15, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. And then a couple of verses later, there's that famous passage, if you train up a child in the way they're going to go. But really, that's a weird um, Israel idiom. And so I've, I've kind of translated it with the help of some some scholars. Here's is that me earlier? Yeah. No, no this is, no, yeah, this is, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor in life. In the path of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but... But those who would preserve their life stay far from them. And then that verse, but if you train up a child by letting them do whatever they want, that forms a rut. And even when they were old, they will not depart from it. Mm. So do you see what they're trying to say is that humility is actually, if it's not taught young, Mm. you can become what the opposite of humble is proud. And then you're just an arrogant, self-absorbed person. And that is going to be something you're going to keep practicing. And to your point, and that's our human nature. And then yeah. you're not going to get out of that. Yeah. So, and then Micah 6, 8, of course, what, what does the Lord require? Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with, with your God. God. Like there, it's all over the place when you start looking for it. Yeah. But it's interesting that you pointed out, um, like what Micah 6, 8, it begins to be a transition verse between our relationship with God mm-hmm. because it adds justice and mercy, yeah. which are outward expressions. And there's a guy named uh, Dennis... Edwards, who wrote a book called Humility Illuminated, it just came out um, by InterVarsity Press. I love what he said here. He said, humility will affect our relationships with others, but it is fundamentally rooted in devotion to God. But I describe humility as having a trajectory, because although it starts with submission to God by individuals as well as groups, it advances outward to go and to govern interactions between people. Those interactions at our core are meant to engender peace. So he says it moves from inward devotion, but humility actually governs human relationships once it's properly understood. And that's what you start to see in Jesus. Jesus really models this. And that's where our passage, and Paul even says, like, model your life after, uh, I feel like I'm talking a ton. This is just... I, I feel like it's so important yeah. and it's all over the place. Yeah. And we just don't talk about it. Yeah. And so again, to even find it, we know when we really think about the Christmas story and think about what words really encapsulate it, humility is huge. Yeah. Humility is huge. You right. know, there's so many other yeah. ways. So, so we, many other ways. So Jesus. Paul kind of uses Philippians too. I want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, um, let's get into the practical because here's the thing. These soaring, beautiful passages about Jesus coming as a humble servant and dying humbly, where it gets really difficult is in our interpersonal relationships when we're expected to be humble because humility really is painful and it feels a lot like losing because in a competitive society, that's not what we want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the first part of the Philippians passage is not taking or seizing for your own gain. Um, the passage says, 
that he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Talk about that. what that looks like to give up um, your own, um, what word would you use? Rights? Is that what you, is that the word you used? I don't know if I used that word exactly, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Well, how would you describe that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think of an example and this is kind of simple, but, um, we had a guy that was really high up in tech, really high up, um, work as a lobby host in kids town. And I remember somebody on staff saying to me, you know, we should really like get him like working with, I don't know, somebody in a, in an area that has a lot more use of his skills. And it was like, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to just be him. And I think humility helps when you truly are humble before God. I think, um, you don't see your position. You're not grasping for like, Oh, I need to help in Westgate by doing this. Now, could you absolutely be fantastic? He just wanted to help. Like where's the need? And so he's like, you need a lobby host? Absolutely. He was fantastic. Probably why he did so well in tech in the area that he was in. Yes, he was super smart, but he was um, a people person. Yeah. You know, and so to watch him get down and bend down with little kiddos when they're coming in and high-fiving them and how's your week been? Like he was, he was exuding joy, which when you are truly humble, that's what happens. Because it's not about you. It's it's about others. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I feel like he was not just grasping for the things. He let go of what he was or what, you know, people might see him as. <laughs> right. And was who he was on the inside was just somebody that wanted to jump in. Where can I serve? Where's the need? Where can I serve? And was all in with it. What do you think? So the thing that, um, man, that's hard. It, the thing that comes to mind is, um, this is going to sound strange, but financially. Okay. So um, a lot of people that I know have taken jobs or careers that are service-oriented jobs. Maybe they're ministers, maybe they're nurses, maybe they're teachers. Yeah. There is, there's not a lot of money in those. Sure. Right. Yeah. And sometimes there can be a deep frustration, like, what's going on, man? Like, if I would have chosen a different career, I could have had more money. This is tough. But there's a humility, I think, and I, I remember I had to get to this place. I was like, I remember when I was a teacher, there was this year, I was killing it. I like, I started an AP program. I, my, my, my students were coming in at grade X and they were leaving two and a half grade levels later. I mean, I was just killing the game. Yeah. I, was, I was going to all these workshops and functions. I was tinkering constantly. I was like, I mean, I was, I was really killing it. Um, yeah. And... One day I had to borrow some uh, books from another teacher. Uh, my class set of like Night by Elaine Wiesel ran out. I needed more books. So I call over to the classroom. I say, hey, can I talk to Mr. Um, uh, Buttkiss? I don't, I forget, I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> hey, can I talk to Mr. Buttkiss? And the student's like, uh, he's asleep. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, he fell asleep at his desk. He just gave us these reading assignment and then he fell asleep. And I'm like, this guy's been a teacher for like 30 years. I looked at his the salary scale of like where he was, and he was making like two and a half times what I was making, and I was yeah. so internally furious. Now, yeah. notwithstanding all the, the, the ways that teachers are treated and the payment schedules, one of the things that I was most mad at is like, I have chosen a career which will not reward me financially. Mm. And I was like so mad. And it, then I think what it was, was I had to get to the point where I'm like, okay, has God called me to this? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Okay, so if that answer is yes, then will he provide for me? And will I humbly accept whatever he gives me? Right. And will I be okay with that and not be greedy or grabby or weird about it? Yeah. And that was the work I had to do in that moment. And I was like, man, well, okay, so I'm not going to be driving new Teslas. Yeah. Whatever. This is the career that I believe God has directed me toward. I can trust his provision because humility is also about trusting for who God is. It's manna from heaven. It's give us this day our daily bread. That's part of humility too. There was a woman named Marlena Graves who wrote a great book called The The Way Up is Down, Becoming Yourself by Forgetting Yourself. And she put a spotlight on the humility of Jesus. She writes, in the midst of his volitional poverty during his life and death on earth, I love that volitional poverty. He voluntarily became poor. We see that Jesus learned humility to completely depend on God and also on others. He had to. Yeah. After all, he suffered because of what he gave up to become fully human while being fully God. He continues to wash feet of his friends and enemies alike. Jesus, the God of the universe, rich as he is in every conceivable and inconceivable manner, washes my feet and your feet even now. No place is too low for Jesus to stoop in order to serve and love. And I was like, wow. Drop the mic. Man, that was, so that was like really, okay, so let me ask you this, because humility, sometimes people think humility means thinking lowly of yourself. It means saying things like, well, I'm nobody, I'm worthless, Um, I don't, you know, I'm, it means uh, downplaying yourself or or even sometimes kind of pretending Mm -hmm. like you don't have a gift when you do. Um, Speaking about it, humility means you're dirt. And you're lucky that God even sees you. Yeah. So talk to me about how you think about humility. And because I don't I don't think that that's what it is, yeah. but maybe some people have a bad concept. Well, and I shared this in my sermon, but I really love um, C.S. Lewis's quote that um, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Oh, that's great. And I'm not, not thinking less of yourself, which is probably what I do. I mean, everybody has different uh, ways. Somebody else might be really prideful. I always think, well, who am I to do this? You know, and, and that's a fault. It's a self false pride. So I think um, to find that middle ground is really realizing how loved we are, how we are, and being surrendered. Okay, God, how do I move into the, my day? Who can I look to serve? I act, I, that's what Christ did for us. He was right. a bond servant. He chose to take that on. He could have come as a king, could have come as so many other things. He was king, again, veiled, but he the, his appearance was that of, a, in essence, nothing ordinary, you know, just, and was a bond servant and was all about serving others. And in that, I think that is what humility is for us moving forward. How can I do for you? What can I do for you? Yeah. So you're saying it's like an attitudinal shift. Yes. Um, a, a posture, yep. as it were. Yep. Uh, not an identity that doesn't make you worthless. I don't think no. we have to devalue ourselves for proper humility. No. In fact, I think that makes people uncomfortable because I think we know it's it's a lie. Like I think about my daughter. She had this um thing, um this this piece of art my wife had commissioned for. It says, you know, it's from the from the psalm. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. And anyone who's had kids know, every kid. I don't care who they are. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. They have gifts and talents and abilities and uh, amazing things they bring into the world that no one else can do and, and no one else can uniquely bring into the world like yeah. they can. And so I don't think it means devaluing those things. I think it means using those things, whatever they are, in service of others. Yeah. So that's that's the difference because 
Um, and, and it also reminds me that the word humbled is from the what the Hebrew word for earth or ground. Mm-hmm. I, w- w- when when we think about people who are humble, we say there's something they're, they're like grounded, oh, or they're great. or yeah. they're down to earth, uh-huh. right? Yeah, so true. And I just think that there's something about that. It's it's like level. They're not mm-hmm. they're not trying to put themselves up because of their gifts, talents, or abilities, but they're they're bringing themselves low and say, hey, whatever I have, here it is. Yeah. And there's just this gentleness with it too isn't totally. there yeah um man we need more of that yeah i need to work on that yeah well well i guess we actually we didn't talk about how if you asked a thousand you know they've done studies you know hey describe christians in three words mm. and i don't think humble is going to show up yeah and i especially in the time of online discourse mm. uh we're not doing super great in that sometimes and yeah. so Sometimes, and I, I get it. Sometimes it's like, well, we, we need to proclaim the truth. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I know growing up, my mom used to say actions speak louder than words. So, yeah. yes, we do need to proclaim it, but maybe that's by doing Yeah, living, others, living, living it out. It. Yeah. 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 And then the final thing that the, the text in um, Philippians says is that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. So there's something about obedience and humility. Do you want to talk about like that? Because obedience and humility also seem to go hand in hand. I mean, you can't really call God your God if you don't do do what he says. I mean, right? Yeah, because I think to be humble is to be a servant, right? Mm -hmm. Again, um, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And so sometimes God's ask for us is something that we don't really want to do you know, to be humble. And so it's going to take a, um, a surrendered heart. Uh, Lord, give me your eyes. Um, in this, help me to, um, see this. Usually it's a person having to do something with, for someone that maybe we don't feel like we should have to, or, um, whatever. Or that costs us or whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I think it's that abiding it's again, God lives in us. So are we having communication with him or are we just operating out of self? And when we are, I think God nudged, the Holy Spirit nudges us too. Like, hey, Lisa, like you see that over there? I want you to go talk to that person. I want you to just go encourage them. Like just speak a word of encouragement to them today. They Like they could use that or noticing, like whatever it might be. I don't, I don't mm. think it always has to be huge things. I think it's the ordinary, simple, everyday, right around you, right in front of you things. I love what you said. It's, it's a tension. Yeah. If you think about it, giving someone the gift of your attention is humility because you're saying, I care about what you think, what you're going through, what you're experiencing. I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. It's a value. It, right? I, and you have great value. There's yeah. a humility there or you have the same value that I do. Yeah. I'm not higher than you because I, I'm here to serve you. Yeah. Um, or at least I want to I want to. Th- there's something very humble about attention. Maybe that this season can be the thing that we give. Uh, those in our lives mm. um, that might be the biggest gift that they need attention, yeah. you know, because in a world that's super distracted and is super self-focused um, showing somebody attention could yeah. be, you know, that could be the greatest gift we offer. And I think when we do that too, every once in a while, God gives us these opportunities to share what in our life is helping us get through the difficult times and things yeah. like that. And that's a wonderful opportunity to share the work of God. Um, with somebody who you just wanted to come along and make sure they were seen, yeah. that they felt 
seen and cared for. Um, oh, well, here, here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to pray for folks. I know there's a lot of folks out there who they're going to be hand, they're going to be around difficult family, yeah. people who are difficult to love. Um, right now, maybe life is crashing on them and they feel a little more self-absorbed and fearful mm-hmm. than they wish. Yeah. Uh, there are people who might be being called to be obedient and they're afraid that it's going to cost them or they're going to have to give something up. Yeah. Um, um, so just, there's a million ways that this could play out. So I'd love for you to just pray for our people for mm-hmm. humility. Uh, and, and our, our pe- by our people, I am including myself underneath <laughs> I'm that. For you. No, no, me too. Because no, I, I mean, yeah, right. Absolutely. All this, I mean, cause this is not for other people. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is ground zero. I need yeah. to live this out as well. So I just love for you to pray for all of us yeah. for humility, um, this season. Yeah. Is that cool? Absolutely. Cool. Oh, Heavenly Father, we um, are in awe. I am in awe of your love that you would choose um, in human form to be fully God and fully man and to experience every single thing that we experience. And Lord, in this season of Advent that for many people, It feels like it's so festive and everybody else is having such a great time, but inside I'm struggling. Lord, there are many of us that feel that way. And it sometimes can almost feel like hopeless and make us want to pull back. Lord, I pray for each of us today, God, that you would open us up, open our hearts up to really experience and to know you as Jesus here on earth, who knows what we go through, but also as God in heaven, who knows what goes before us, um, who knows what the future is, who loves us and has, for those of us that are followers of you, God, has a place actually in our hearts that indwells with us, God. So I pray that um, you would give a deep sense of your presence to each of us. And that, Lord, as we think of the humble state with which you came Mm -hmm. and the humility that it took, um, to live a life, Lord, with any second you could have been fully God, and rather than veiling your glory, you could have just showed in such powerful ways, but you chose not to do that, God, and all the way to the cross, all the way to the cross. And Lord, you were in hu- your humanness, just if there's any other way, if there's any other way, but not my will, but yours. So God, for us, um, I pray for just a surrendered heart, not my will, but yours. And as that happens, God, as we develop um, that place before you and deepen that sense of humility in ourselves, Lord, would you just use us in the lives of others to be servants, to think of others as more important than ourselves, not that we're not important, but but what is their need and how can I come alongside um, to not think, oh, they have this or they have this title, but rather, God, thank you so much for how you've made me and the things that are in front of me and what you've given me to be responsible for. And may we hold things with you. And in that, Lord, may you be glorified this Christmas season. Lord, may we be pointing people to you in a world that we can barely even hear about you. May you just shine so brightly through us um, that others would know and see of your love for them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Awesome. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks You're for welcome. stopping by. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye.
Just want to say thanks to Lisa Averill for stopping by. Join me next week for our third and final week of our Advent series, Down to Earth. We're going to have Jay Kim and Andy Gridley here. And then, guys, next week after that, it's Christmas Eve, if you can believe it, which I cannot. I cannot believe that Christmas is already here. So, so we'll see you next week.